0: We step outside of ourselves again to perform to the expectations of others in the context of a good daughter hosts Thanksgiving dinner, you know, a good wife does all the grocery shopping and h- cleans the house from top to bottom for her in-laws. You know, a good friend makes sure that the friend group gets together once a month. And we're doing this in the for the purpose of goodness, but in the end, it leaves it doesn't leave us feeling good you know, it doesn't necessarily leave us feeling satisfied. Welcome to Medium Lady Talks. I'm your host, Erin Vandevin. I'm a millennial and mother trying to build the place in the world that's made for me while fighting burnout, living intentionally, and embracing gratitude, even when I'm grumpy. Here on Medium Lady Talks, we visit the topics and practical tips that will help you maximize self-discovery and minimize self-judgment so you can finally get momentum building the life you know is possible in this post pandemic world on this podcast you can expect we'll get deep while having fun and whether you're burnt out like a dog in a dumpster fire or celebrating your best life daily you'll find the conversations prompts and tools i know will be helpful on your own personal healing journey so stay tuned for my deep dive solo shows and interview episodes with dear friends and expert guests together we'll make sure you have what you need to build the place in the world that's made for you i'm so glad you're here so let's jump in. Hello, hi, and welcome to Medium Lady Talks. I'm your host, Erin, and this is episode 91. We are going to talk about the art of gathering with my guest, Carrie Ann Cloda. Carrie Ann is a wedding coach and the host of the Feminist Wedding Podcast. She helps conscious couples confidently navigate the hidden hurdles of wedding planning, calming the emotional upsets and financial surprises that come with the job so you can have a relaxed, connected experience that feels fresh, unconventional, joyful, and unequivocally you. Carrie Ann, welcome to the show. Thank you, Erin. I'm so glad that we're doing this. I know. I was looking back in my DMs to see, you know, sort of the iterations of our brainstorming of this episode. And we have been trying to get this in the book since March. Really? Yeah. 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 And we got real close in April
1: and then a bunch
0: (laughs) of life stuff happened. And then I think we got real close again in July and a bunch of life stuff happened. So here we are. But I think actually it was meant to be because I'm doing a series on how to get out of your own way. Or how to think about getting out of your own way. And today we're going to talk about connection, gathering, bringing people together, and how we get in our own way when it comes to trying to connect, especially in person, with the people that we really want to build, you know, lasting relationships with. And I'm really excited to leverage your experience in the wedding space to talk about gathering more broadly and more generally. A lot of our American listeners are going to be experiencing Thanksgiving coming up later this week. carrie Ann and I are both Canadian. But carrie Ann, I'll stop talking and I'll, I'll get you to introduce yourself to the medium lady community. So tell us who you are and what you're all about. Well, I mean,
1: you did a really great, I think that's the intro I sent you. I sent you how I describe myself. So yes, I'm a wedding coach and a wedding planner. So sometimes people get tripped up on like what a coach actually does. And so just to explain that a little bit, that's like being your big sister who supports you no matter what with everything that you're going through during the planning (laughs) <laughs> and so aside from all of the, you know, typical wedding things that I do, which you'll have with smaller family gatherings as well, you know, you you do have to set a budget. You do have to decide who's invited and who's in and who's out, which is very much uh, a Priya Parker art of gathering <laughs> concept. Mm-hmm. But I also really help people establish boundaries with their families, figure out what matters most to them versus what matters to everybody around you and so i think that kind of that's going to be the meaty part of our conversation
0: today. Yeah. I really love a lot of your content especially your podcast. Tell us a little bit about the feminist wedding podcast. Well, i created
1: the podcast because
0: first of all because it's it's my favorite way to communicate.
1: Like i'm a vocal processor. Mhm. Me too. <laughs> And so yeah, of course, right? Yeah. And so as as I'm talking is sort of as I kind of discover how I feel about things and and I, I wanted to have a wider impact because I felt like I still feel like everywhere I look, I see a lot of cis hetero couples, white couples on social media, on Pinterest, everywhere you're looking, you're seeing a very formulaic wedding that doesn't represent Everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing should be representative of everybody, right? But there does seem to be like one kind of wedding that we're seeing over and over. Yeah, and this leads to so many issues, like people having this keeping up with the Joneses feeling, people feeling like their budget is not enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I first started planning weddings on my own, so I worked. I have a background in catering and event management, and working for other. Uh, planners. And when I first started having my own clients, of course, they didn't have the budgets of my bosses, you know. I was doing like six-figure weddings as an assistant. And when I started getting clients, they had like, I mean, five-figure but barely Mm -hmm. weddings, you know. Mm -hmm. So like the first client I had did have a budget of like, I think, $10,000. And my mentor said, you can't have a wedding for $10,000. And immediately, like I felt it in my blood Mm. that this was just wrong. I was like, wait, that's not true. That feels so untrue to me. Of course, you can get married on any budget. You can get married on next to no money. So that doesn't make sense. And if you're willing to hire me, it's my job to figure that out for you to help you get there. So that was part of it. And then there's so there's these all of these different issues that were coming up, right? Like What traditional wedding etiquette looks like and what a tr- who deserves to get married and how much they have to spend and like, who is this even for? And so I wanted to create something that I wasn't seeing in the wedding space. Which was a place to talk about really like how we can make weddings more feminist and why weddings are a place where we could have a wider impact. Oh, So there's there's also that piece. Like this is a huge industry. Mm-hmm. This is a worldwide, I think I just looked it up the other day and I was like, I think it's something like a $500 billion worldwide industry. Right. Like what an opportunity to shake things up.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are the kinds of things that you cover? Who are the kinds of guests if people want to um, dabble into your podcast? What are the kinds of guests or topics that they can expect um, if they listen to your podcast?
1: So my first season, I kind of just went with whoever wanted to chat with me. So I've had some bridal stylists. Um, I interviewed, you know, a a money expert to talk about budgets or how to do a wedding on a shoestring. Uh, And now this season, I'm going to be interviewing a lot more vendors. So I have a lighting designer, a photographer. So very specific, like wedding, wedding vendors and what they think about making weddings more feminist and how they do it in their in their field. And also just like explaining these things, like kind of demystifying a lot of this stuff that feels, you know, you're you're going to plan one wedding usually yeah. in your life. And so you're doing it one time. You want that expert advice. And so this is kind of a way to get that expert advice without, you know, Paying for it and, and interviewing people yourself. Mm-hmm. And I also talk about like feminist issues. So about, you know, uh, changing the language that we use at a wedding as a way of sharing our values with our family. So instead of saying bride and groom, I always say marriers. Instead of bridal party, I say the wedding party. What can we do? Why should we do it? What are the what's the wider impact that we can have? So ethical issues around weddings as well. And then I wonder if there are some like broader topics that would that would help your audience. I mean, I talk about relationships. I talk about boundaries. I've interviewed a couples therapist. So that kind of stuff too. I think that might be also really interesting to the medium lady community.
0: I would agree for sure. Can you tell me a little bit more about like how you were raised up in traditional event management and yet you've really staunchly positioned yourself as a feminist wedding coach and planner and someone with knowledge and expertise of this Very heteronormative, cisgendered industry, and you're placing yourself firmly within that industry as someone who has expertise on basically turning that on its head. How do you get from there to there? Like, how do you, what were the stepping stones for you to say, I'm not going to turn my back on event management? I'm not going to turn my back on this industry. I'm going to change it from the inside out.
1: That's such a great question. And I-, I love it so much, because I don't get to talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never planned on being an event planner long term. Okay. So in Ep and university, I studied philosophy, I actually did my master's on global justice. And so these are like a philosophy master's on the moral motivations behind ending global hunger. So firmly like i'm a i'm left of left and i really <laughs> saw my role and my my like life's goal because you don't study philosophy without thinking about like what's my wider impact going to be in this world what contribution am i going to make to society and i saw my role as a teacher as a change maker as somebody who's i'm very good at at chatting with people and like changing their mind, showing them another side Mm. and engaging in that conversation with them. And and so I did apply. I've applied so many times to teach philosophy at the Sejaf level. That's why I did my master's and I just haven't been able to break into it. (laughs) So I was doing this. I was working um, while I was in my undergrad and grad school. I was working in the service industry and in catering and in event management. And the entire time I worked as an event assistant, I would say all the time to my colleagues, to the planners who hired me, or to the people around me who were working on breaking into the industry and getting those big clients, and they would say oh you're so good at this, you're so good at it, and I'd say Don't worry, I'm not coming for your job like this is not what I plan to do long term <laughs> I said it all the time. it really makes me laugh now, like all the things that I said when I was younger and how much they've changed like i've uh a really close friend who's very career oriented and I used to jokingly say to her all the time, but it felt true for me that my career was a, of a zero priority level for me. Like there were so <laughs> many things that were more important to me. And now as an entrepreneur, I actually love working on my business. Mm-hmm. I find marketing fascinating. I mean, you can get interested in all kinds of different things. But at the time I was like, "It's that's not what matters to me. What matters to me is making a difference. And that's still true
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and also you know, my business and my career also matter to me. Um, not zero on the priority <laughs> scale anymore. Still not number one, but not zero. Uh, so, th- so that's how I, I kind of got, or that's how I came at this. Right, it was like I was doing it as a almost a side hustle or like a or just a money maker while I pursued what really interested me. And then while I was doing it, I did start to get some of my own clients. I had, you know, people with a smaller budget who couldn't afford the high-end planners that I worked with that would be referred to me by then for day of coordination. I'm making little scare quotes because it's not a real thing. Just like to pay lip service to that, you Mm -hmm. know, event planners can't just pop in on the day of your wedding and like run everything perfectly. We need to come in four to six weeks before and get an idea of what your total wedding plan is and... I mean, I come in much earlier than that with most of my clients, but at a minimum, four to six weeks before, so that I can get the lay of the land, see problems before they happen, communicate with all of the vendors. I mean, day of coordination is like the end result of six weeks of work right? on the event. You know, I'm I'm going to get into it to make sure that it's an event that I can manage, like set myself up for success. Um, so I was getting these calls for this, and I was starting to have clients who, who really just didn't align with my values. I had both. Mm.
0: And in 2019, I
1: had two clients that really changed the way that I decided I was going to work. I had one client who was an absolute dream and I saw how, um, you know, the couple got closer through planning, how their family was involved, how the wedding was really representative of who they are and their values and how they did it on their budget and how I was able to help by emotionally supporting them through... You know the fact that, like in a hetero couple, it's a- almost always true that the majority of the work is going to fall to fall to the bride, yeah, and that she's going to be planning this wedding with her mother, yeah, and it's just such a missed opportunity for me. I mean, if I, I want to put a- pull another thread here, it's that like in my own wedding planning? I did not use it as an opportunity to get closer with my partner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a really missed opportunity, I find, because you're going to be talking about so many things, money, values, like this is such a good opportunity for you and your partner to get closer. That's often wasted because we're, you know, our parents think that we should do it some other way. Right. And then, the so that was one client I had who I, I was like, this, I want to take what she had and I want to give it... Um, to someone else. I want to be able to give this to other people. So that's how my my signature offer, The Journey, was born was through like trial and error or a trial with this person and then or this couple and then and then repeating it and refining it with the next couple and the next couple and the next couple so that I could see what worked best for them. And then I had in 2019 another client that was a guarantee... I can say this with with absolute certainty, the worst client I've ever had. Like, absolutely a nightmare. Yeah. Um, I wasn't satisfied with the event at the end of the day. I was so miserable working with them. It was the um, mother of the groom who hired me. And I'll never do it again. And now it's in my contract. that I just don't work with parents. I mean, she hated the bride. This was, like she was calling me all the time like just to complain about the bride she would call other vendors to try to change what the bride had planned i felt like i couldn't defend who i felt should be my real client which was the couple mm-hmm. because the person who was paying me was this this woman and yeah. it was just i was like this this ain't it there's got to be a better way so right. all of that kind of is a perfect storm that led me to be like something else mm-hmm. what else, what what is the difference what else can I do? Like, and and so I created a, a brand, and then I have been since twenty, and that's obviously right before COVID hit. Yeah, yeah. And then I've had the last, you know, four years to refine that
0: mm-hmm. and get
1: closer and closer to what I think is the a better way, a better way mm-hmm. of doing weddings.
0: Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. It takes a lot of self-reflection to be willing to walk away from a paycheck that's based on how everybody else does things. You know, when you walk away from the kind of work that someone says, okay, I'm I'm going to be able to go hire seven other people if, you're, if you don't want my business. Where does that courage come from? Has that always been like sort of who you are, your social justice warrior? And you're like, take it or leave it. This is what matters to me. And I'm not interested in...
1: It's that and I think as you were saying it, I was like, yeah, a little bit of hubris (laughs) because (laughs) what ended up happening, I really thought like, okay, I did so well in 2018 and 2019. I was making the kind of money that I wanted to make and I thought, well, working for other people, I'm making, you know, a little bit per day. When I have my own clients, I'm Mm -hmm. making a lot per Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. And if I had only my own clients, like I could, I felt like I could work less and make more if right. I did it this way. Right. Right. And then COVID hit and that was not true. And not only did COVID hit in 2020, but in 2021 I gave birth. And so it was it was like <laughs> I'm still not back to making what I was making before COVID. Like there was no it it was just hit after hit of like and not only to me personally, but just trying to find my way in this industry so that's why I say like what made me want to do this yeah because I believe in it right but I also really believed in myself and I the way that the industry was going I was sure that I would be busy i was sure that I'd get tons of referrals and then what ended up happening was you know fear of scarcity and instead of even my referral partners even all of the planners used to refer clients to me they started just doubling up on clients to make back the money that they lost during 2020 and 2021 Mm. so or like hiring you know inexpensive assistants to help run events for them so they could double and triple up on events on a weekend rather than referring referring them out as we all used
0: to interesting
1: yeah so it, it was i think it was yeah it was uh not knowing what was coming next and uh and and like some faith in myself that I would land on my feet because I, I always do. Like even when um thinking about something I told you earlier in the conversation, but like mm-hmm. if, if you want to make some money, you know, I always feel like I could. Like I'm, I always felt like no matter what I do, I'm highly employable. Someone will pay me to do the thing <laughs> and I'll be able to do something that I enjoy for money. Like I really, I really have always been able to get by without having a work for somebody else kind of job. I, I can't do it. I I mean... Some people can work for other people, and I am not that person. I just – it's not that I can't collaborate. It's just uh, I got to be the one, like, leading. Right. I have to be.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that you said a couple of things in there. You know, um, this sort of inborn belief that, you know, I've got what it takes and I'll be fine. Yeah. Is something that's pretty rare. Do you know that? No. <laughs> so it's it's not it's not every day that I interview a person who says what you just said to me. You know, which is like I'm not I'm never worried about failing. I'm never worried about it all crumbling. Maybe I'm paraphrasing. I'm never worried about it all coming crashing down around me. So you are you're sort of like inherently driven by a growth mindset and a sense that like your life is not fixed based on your present circumstances. That's true. That's true.
1: I think I, – I am afraid of things happening. Like, I have anxiety. Okay. So yeah. There are there are times where very illogically, like, I'll, I'll like, go down the slippery slope yeah. of worrying about what's going to happen with – and especially in the wedding industry, which is so feast or famine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, there are times where I worry. But there was something you posted, actually, I think yesterday on Instagram where you said – What if what I have now is good enough? What if I decided that what I have now is good enough? And immediately I was like, oh, I already know that. Yeah. Like if I think about it. Yeah. It's good enough. My apartment is good enough. Mm -hmm. The fact that we don't own our home is actually, sometimes I think I'm like, I'm really grateful we don't own our home because the amount of stuff that's already on my plate, if I had to worry about like having (laughs) enough money to repair my HVAC or whatever the fuck, like I, (laughs) am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh, you just did. So it's great. Okay. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, like the amount of added concerns, I'm like, no, actually, this is good enough. This is good enough for me. And I'm happy with it. I'm happy with a lot of the things in my life. And I know what to focus on and what I'm grateful for every day. And, and I also, like everybody, have days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll never work again. Or mm. I'm, I'm like, I have imposter syndrome, yep. especially when I'm PMSing. My imposter syndrome is like so. Overwhelming, I have like uh, I, I literally started keeping a list of all of my accomplishments every week I go and I take my my to do list basically from that week, what I checked off, and I put it into a file of what I accomplished so anything that that rates so recording this podcast will absolutely rate, you know, and so I'll be like, I recorded with medium lady like this is something that I did as I was hoping <laughs> to do, and I achieved it. It's gonna go on my list of November hoorays or fuck yeahs or huzzas or whatever I've called it, it. but November wins. And so when that imposter syndrome starts to creep up, I go look at that list and I go, right, right, right. I'm not a total failure. I did do things. I'm not lazy. It's okay that I took, you know, a whole evening to just like Netflix and chill and I didn't accomplish anything. Oh my God. Yeah. I do accomplish things, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not (laughs) worthless. Like I, I need that, but I need that like reminder that I can go look at.
0: I mean, like, I think if anybody wants to stop listening to the episode right now, you got it. You got your (laughs) takeaway. You need to be collecting your wins on a monthly basis. And then, most importantly, you need to go back to those lists when you've got the monkey on your back that tells you to burn it all down because, you know, it's trash and you're trash. Um, That's (laughs) amazing. I'm going to start doing that. That's really well put. I never Um, heard that
1: before. The monkey on your back. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But in yoga, we say the monkey mind. Yes. So oh, that's just true. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's true. So the subject of the day is we're going to really hone in on the idea of gathering. We're going to reference a book that we both read a little while ago called The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. I'll link it in the show notes. And this is a, about intentionality behind, I wouldn't say events, but I wouldn't not, I would not not say events. And I think if you're, either in your work, bringing people together, either in a meeting, either for celebrations, either for important project milestones, or if you're gathering in these sort of traditional family ways that we know that we gather, maybe you're gathering for Sunday dinners, maybe you're gathering for religious holidays, maybe you're gathering, you know, we're coming up on December, you're gathering for, you know, secular Christmas or um, other, you know, sort of like winter um, observances, you're maybe gathering together in grief to, you know, kind of do that with intentionality and to ask yourself some questions that we don't usually ask ourselves. So we're not going to pick apart that book with too much detail, but we might reference it every now and then. But I really want to hone in on how we get in our own way when we gather or when we don't gather or when we make gathering either too big or feel like it's too hard. Um, I've really been trying to encourage the medium lady audience to all kind of think about the getting out of our own way. And there's a lot of different ways we've been talking about that. We've been talking about limiting beliefs. We've been talking about calming our brains. We've been um, talking about there'll be an episode on style. And now we're talking about gathering. So you know, when it comes to gathering, Carrie-Anne, what have you learned as a wedding planner about these limiting beliefs that people have about what we can and can't do, what's hard and what's easy about gathering? You know, like there's all of this mindset work that can really get in our way when it comes to gathering and bringing people together, especially as women. I feel like we're really tasked with the effort of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, like I said earlier, um, when you have a a hetero couple, you often see you know it's the bride mm-hmm. doing all of the planning mm-hmm. with her her mom or her family, and and maybe what I also see with the mother of the groom. So like the all of the women are involved in all of this orchestrating, and uh, and even in in like some you know some trashier weddings that I've done, you have like the fathers talking about how they just paid the bill. That's, yeah, that's. <laughs> Yeah, like don't bring that up in your wedding speech. Just an aside. That's <laughs> gross. Um, but but then you end up with like a, an event that's not really representative of the the couple together, right? So one of the first things I do with all of my clients is we have uh, they fill out a questionnaire and they tell me what matters most to each of them, and I always say even if it's a couple that I know I'm going to be primarily working with one of them and not the other, I say, listen. I get it. Like with me and my partner, we're, uh, you know, we're we're a hetero couple, but we're not so traditional. Like we don't necessarily divide roles along gender lines. Yeah. But I know that to sit down and fill out a questionnaire for my ADHD husband is just not going to happen. So I'm like, I get it. You only one of you is working on this thing and I want you to really take some time with it. You're I just want your partner to answer one question and it's this what matters most to you about this day. Right. Because I really want to make sure that even if you're planning it, even if you're doing the most of the work because the day is more important to you or you have the most free time to spend on it, that you're absolutely from the beginning thinking about taking them into consideration as well. Mm-hmm. Like you are both hosting this event. So that's that's going to be the first thing is who's hosting it and who is it even for? Like what is the meaning? What is the purpose of this? And that's something that for sure Priya Parker brings up, you know, right away is like, events are purposeful. Even if you're having a dinner party, it it behooves you to think of like the wider purpose of this event. What is the aim here? Why are we getting together? And what are the things we're going to do that are going to help or hinder that larger goal?
0: Can I break that apart a little bit? Because I think that people might be listening and saying, well, we're getting together, the purpose of us getting together is to get together. And good families get together or good friends see each other. And there's maybe a little bit of like morality embedded in gathering is like, is like we want to be good, so we're going to get together. And how do you pull that apart for people is like, well, the purpose is to get together. How do you get, you know, a couple of layers of maybe why deeper than that?
1: Well, instead of saying, well, why are we getting together and maybe use another word then like, Mm. and then what do you want to happen when you get together? Yeah. Like if the why is, well, we're getting together because as a family we get together. Let's say we're getting together for Thanksgiving because we always get together for Thanksgiving. Okay. But we want, you know, um, for example, something that I want right now out of my family events is for my two and a half year old to get the most out of it. That's my Mm. goal. Yeah. And so, if I'm attending a family event and it's starting late, or it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of like sitting at the table and not a lot of free time, that really doesn't contribute to my purpose. Like, we always have to have top of mind. Is that going to be the right environment for the kids to really enjoy themselves? Like, my bigger goal when I'm spending time at you know, my dad and stepmom's house is really like, I want my daughter to spend time with them. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work if they're very busy or in another room or talking to other adults only. Mm -hmm. It's like, I want to know, well, who else is coming?
0: Mm -hmm. You know,
1: who else is coming before I say yes. And that's even my choice to attend the event, not even to host, right? And that's right right away boundaries, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) so, So what kind of space is it? How is the space set up? Does the space lend itself to there? Like that's Also something that you can learn from weddings when I, especially when I was uh, an assistant and a hired gun and I would just pop into the event, you know, on the day just to help run the show before I was a planner and had my own clients. One of the things I always had to do was like set up cocktails, make cocktails work and how you do that is really considering the flow in the space mm-hmm. is there a lot of access in front of the bar is it going to be tight is there going to be a bottleneck there if you ever have a, had a house party yeah. when you were in college you know that the kitchen yeah the kitchen party was like the best party mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and everybody's crammed into the kitchen and that's okay though that you have two parties going on you have your living room party and your kitchen party because yeah. we didn't have like you know i'm thinking <clears throat> like who's it like uh frank lloyd right who had like that Open spaces. Yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> you know, we didn't have apartments that had like kitchen islands. Of, no, like Wide open, open spaces concept. that were made I'm for entertaining. concept. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, we didn't have that. So, so we had to know that that was going to happen. And we're like, okay, how are we going to manage that? Like, mm-hmm. think about it. I'm having a party. I don't want everyone to be packed in the kitchen. I don't want three separate parties with like the smokers outside and people in the kitchen and people in living or I do,
0: Mm. or I do,
1: but I want people to move and not only stay in one place. I want to make sure people talk to other people that they don't usually speak to. I mean, it, it does make sense to just consider a little bit like at the end of the day, if you're hosting, you want everybody who's coming to have a good time. Yeah. Oftentimes that's what people write down when I say what matters most to you or what matters most to your partner one of them will usually say the guest experience matters most to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. But are you thinking of that when you're planning? Because if you are not ready when your guests arrive, if you've chosen to make something really elaborate, um, then you're going to be stuck in the kitchen and your guests are like not talking to you. You're not there to like, you know, grease the wheels and introduce them to each other, or you don't even get to be a part of your own event, which is the, which is like the thing that I see the most. It's like the host just doesn't get to enjoy their event. So think about yourself too. Like how, what do I want out of it? Well, I want to talk to my friends. Well, maybe I should prep some food that doesn't require me to stand over it and babysit it all
0: night. Right, right. What about the people who are saying, okay, I hear you, but I have some holiday events coming up. I'm going to have people in my home and I'm going to do that because that's what we do every year. And it's always a kind of going to white knuckle it through the turkey and the food and the shopping and the cleanup. And I'm going to white knuckle my way through because that's what people want from me. How can we convince people to maybe think differently about that limiting belief that like, I am here to serve the traditions of my family. And what matters to me actually doesn't count when I host events. And that's why I dread them so much. I think it's so hard to
1: break up a family dynamic. Mm. This is something I remember years ago talking to my therapist about this and her saying, do you think that your dad is talking to like a younger version of you? Mm. And we decided that he was talking to me at 18 years old and I'm 40 now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if he still sees me as that person, what ends up happening is that I also become that person
0: mm-hmm. when we're
1: talking, right? And I, and I start acting like an 18 year old mm. and, and or or even younger, you know, like things that I used to do to like the tantrums that I used to throw when I'm younger. Like, <laughs> it's not bringing out the best part of me. And my, my youngest, um, not youngest, but one of my younger sisters, my 22-year-old sister said something to me about it not long ago where she was like, I know that I've grown up so much and I'm not that, you know, challenging teenager that you all thought that I was. Like, I've really matured, but I feel like our parents can't see it. Mm. And I said, well, maybe you're not that person when you're at home, though. And it's really hard to be that mature person that you've become without consciously stepping into it. Like it's so easy to fall into the pattern and the old family dynamic. And that's why you end up so unhappy. I mean, and that's not a blanket true statement for everybody, but that could be one of the reasons why it's so upsetting is because you're not changing the dynamic. And so what if you decided that you were done white knuckling, right? You were done with how drained you felt at the end of the holidays, how it wasn't fun for you. What can we do differently? Can we do less? Can we do simpler? Mm -hmm. Like, how can we make this holiday season easier on ourselves? Mm. Is it too expensive? Is it that you need to create a budget and look at your spending and find places to cut? Mm -hmm. Is it that the cleanup is too much? Could you invest in help there? Or could you use compostable dishes this year? Mm -hmm. Like, There are tweaks that we can make so that we can make things easier on ourselves and more aligned with what it is we want. I'm not going to pretend like we can say, oh, I don't believe in the culture of gift giving, so I'm not doing it anymore and have that just – and everyone be like, okay, no problem. Like, no, (laughs) that's not going to work. But you can gently move away from it.
0: What I'm hearing you say is that you can choose yourself and choose the way you want to embody an event over – the habits and routines and roles that other people expect you to play. And this is pretty, pretty core to the medium lady philosophy overall, which is that at a certain point, in order to heal yourself from burnout and to move into a place where you're recovering your identity, you're going to have to say, what I need and what I want matters more than what you expect from me or matters more than me giving you what you need in this moment you know, if you need me to continue to show up as 18-year-old me, I'm actually going to not do that. And I'm going to be doing that in a context of where your expectations might not be met. Your expectations of using grandma's china, which requires hand washing and can't go in the dishwasher, that expectation is not going to be met. Your expectation of us having 17 courses are not going to be met. Your expectation of a table where children are seen and not heard is not going to be met. And that's in order, that's because I'm going to be brave and make the choice to choose me and what matters to me over what matters to you. You must see couples struggle with that tension all the time.
1: Oh, absolutely. But it's not, again, it's not a matter of doing everything all at once. Ah. But of slowly, like especially with family holidays, you're yeah. going to slowly lay the groundwork to get closer and closer to the picture of what it is you want. Like when you're planning a wedding, you are going to have to make some concessions because it's for your sanity. Like we were talking before we started recording about finding that balance between yeah. doing for our children and mm-hmm. doing for our own sanity and and finding that that right balance. And it's the same with this situation where if, if your parents, especially if your parents are investors in your wedding, you're going to have to appease them to a, a higher degree than if you were paying for it entirely by yourself. Right. And even if you are paying for it yourself, they still might have expectations, maybe religious expectations, or if they want to have some of their friends invited. So you are... You're, I think you're going to be able to set boundaries, maybe not all of the ones that you want. And I, I always start, like, whenever I talk about boundaries, I always say you have to start really small and you have to start with something easy that that you know is going to be respected. Mm. So always start with yourself. Set personal boundaries before you start setting them with other yeah, people because yeah, no. you can't force other people to respect your boundaries. Not at all. You can't. You only All you can do is, is set them for yourself and say, well, this is what I'm going to tolerate, right? Right, right. So, so if you're saying you don't want, um, I don't know, something simple like cell phones at the table during dinner, mm. you can't force other people to do it, but you can not bring yours. Right. You can, you can maybe get your partner to not bring theirs. Right. You can maybe talk to a couple other people so that all of a sudden there's this like lone wolf at the table. Right. Who keeps answering their phone and they're going to notice it, event, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> On their own. Like, yeah. hey, hey, I'm the disruptor. Mm-hmm. I'm the disruptive one here. Um, or maybe they'll they'll learn to leave the table, like or maybe somebody else will help you s- set the boundary and say, "Hey, you know, Grandma, um, we can't hear each other over your phone call, <laughs> or whatever it is. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like classic somebody, grandma, a,
0: bringing her phone to the table. Yeah,
1: I mean, my mom does. That's what that's why I came. I was like trying to come up with another person. I was like the that classic. Great. Like in my house, none of us bring our phones to the table, but my mom will take <clears> a work <throat> call. <laughs> She's also an entrepreneur, and like she she. Won't always do it, but like it, when it happens, like that's the the moment where somebody mm-hmm. can make a joke or yeah. say something. Like it, you can get other people on board as well, and mm-hmm. that can really help. So if you have this new vision of how your holiday should go, you can also enlist others to kind of help you with your mission. Yeah, I mean. A good example is like I really wanted to um, to, to give less Christmas gifts. Mm-hmm. Like we do Christmas and Hanukkah with my family and it's just so much. And so uh, several years ago, like we, we all started to like bring it. I wasn't the only one who was like, this is a consumerist holiday. Like this is too much for us. Yeah. Because we were all adults and because my daughter wasn't born yet, we were actually able to eventually con- convince the powers that be – grandma to to do a gift exchange. Yeah. And now we each buy one gift. We all love it. Like it worked so well and we all love it so much. And then now I have a child and last year was um the first year that she really understood that she was getting all these yeah. gifts. <laughs> And it was all at once. And then there became this expectation that every day there was going to be a gift. And I was like, okay, so now I have to plan. Now I have to plan for it and tell people, like, hey, we're not going to buy her eight gifts for Hanukkah. If you're planning on giving her a gift at some point over the holidays, you have to let me know when. And we're going to pick a time so that also so that you and your gift get the attention it merits, right? Like, mm. this is a great opportunity to connect with my two-year-old. And so I don't want you and your gift to be lost in the shuffle. I want her to mm-hmm. have that special moment with you. And when she plays with the toy, she's going to say, oh, this is my toy from so-and-so. Like, this yeah. is my toy from, you know, Aunt Lori. And it's really special. And she gave it to me because she cares about me. And and we played with it together. And okay, it's so meaningful for her that way. We create mm-hmm. so much more meaning when we when we pay attention to these details. So just noticing where there's opportunities for meaning-making Mm-hmm. again, like the more we think about it, the more clear we get on what it is we really want, the more we can start the shift. Like when I say a feminist wedding, I'm not saying you have to throw out the entire wedding plan and do everything like super different. I'm saying like, what is one thing you can do at your wedding that is going to make it feel more like you?
0: Yeah. Start small to make it feel more like you. Yeah. And that's really interesting, Carrie Anne, because you're probably not going to get to iterate on your wedding. You know, like I, f- I'm. You kind of drop my jaw a little bit when you're like, "Don't try to change it all with this one event." And I would say, okay, maybe I could say that we're going to have Thanksgiving again next year, and I'm going to move the, I'm going to move the needle a little bit each event that we host, time and time again. But f- I think that's a really Amazing perspective to see a wedding as because a wedding is sort of a one time. I mean, of course, you could get remarried, but the collection of individuals <laughs> at that specific wedding are going to be different than this this wedding than this event. So where does that that's like such a really unique way of seeing it? I would say like you
1: often have like so many stakeholders in a wedding.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: like I said, like your parents. Are really invested in your wedding because for them, it's a very important day for them as well. Like, I, we can't just forget that parents feel a great deal on your wedding day. As parents now, you and I understand that, but marriers often don't have children yet and so they haven't they haven't really grasped that feeling you have of so much pride in your child and so much obsession with like everything they do and (laughs) and how much they're a part of you and they're like a little you and you get to see (laughs) them do things and it's like healing for you so that's also where I kind of think that like mothers tend to be like, well, my mother planned my wedding and I didn't get to and now I get to do this one. (laughs) Like it's their do over. And they have so many ideas because that was taken away from them. And they kind of forget how they felt when it was taken away from them because now Mm. it's their kids. So just the recognition that there are other stakeholders that you want to make happy, like even, especially we saw this with COVID. It was like, well, my family member is immunocompromised. So I want everyone to wear masks. Like it's not about me necessarily. It might not even be about my values, but it is about care for my community, which is a value. So just honing in on what are your values and what matters most. And that's always also why it's phrased that way, right? Like what matters most to you? Mm Because I I won't be able to do everything. Like the idea that we could do everything, I mean, I think in in anything in life, like we make a big list of all the things we want to accomplish. And we know sometimes we got to look at that list and go, okay, what can I take off? Yeah. You know, like make a big list of everything you want for your wedding and then Coco Chanel it. What really matters? What's going to make the <laughs> big difference?
0: What is Coco Chanelling for people who aren't, aren't, I know what you're referencing to, but I, what?
1: I can't remember the exact words, but she says something like put on like as much jewelry as you want and then take one thing off. Yeah. Or put on five things and take one thing off. Or I also like, you know, I try on a lot of things and then just go, well, what's going to have the biggest impact here? Right. What's going to really make a difference? So I had a couple that wanted, they said to me, we don't want our wedding to be a straight pride parade. And I was like, okay, I love it. You're a hetero couple, but you have a lot of queer friends and you have like very progressive values and you want to share them in some way at your wedding. And, what they decided to do was to walk down the aisle together with no wedding party, no procession, no parents, just the two of them. They She wore a white dress and he wore a suit, but they walked down the aisle together and they each held a bouquet. It was such a big deal. Like, it yeah. was one thing at the very beginning of the wedding. It was one change. Everything else about this wedding was something that I've seen before. sure, sure. Sure. Nothing else about this wedding really felt feminist except maybe like their choice of vendors, you know, which not everybody would know like, oh, they hired a a queer photographer. Like not everyone's going to notice that because that's not necessarily something that, you know, they chose to invest in ethical businesses and they chose to do things eco-consciously. But not everyone's going to see all of that.
0: Mm. But they definitely
1: saw with their eyes That they walked down the aisle together. They saw that non-traditional moment. And that was a way that this couple was able to share something that's really important to them with everybody at their wedding without changing anything else. Without sacrificing the budget or the feel of the event. And also without making anyone uncomfortable Mm -hmm. by saying, well, you have to you know, believe what we believe, even though I think in this group, like everyone did, it was really a carefully selected guest list of people okay. that, they,
0: yeah. Yeah. That,
1: that they really love and who share their values. I feel like you don't need to hit people over the head with it every time. You know? uh, I see. I see.
0: Yeah. But I, I think, again, to go back to your point, it's like start small to start seeing those things that matter show up for you so that when the event is over, you're not saying, thank God that's over. Thank God I survived. Because the whole point of gathering is to exist in connection. Mm -hmm. You don't want to have a gathering if you're not seeking connection with the people that you're gathering with. And I think so many of us feel boxed in or forced to engage and interact and make memories, you know, because of this, like, impending sense of doom that, like, you never know when it could all end. And Mm -hmm. I think that we, you know... We step outside of ourselves again, to perform to the expectations of others in the context of a good daughter hosts Thanksgiving dinner. You know, a good wife does all the grocery shopping and h- cleans the house from top to bottom for her in-laws. You know, a good friend makes sure that the friend group gets together once a month. And we're doing this in the for the purpose of goodness, but in the end, it leaves it doesn't leave us feeling good you know, it doesn't necessarily leave us feeling satisfied. Um, And I think that, you know, if you start small to intentionally gather, whether it's a high stakes event, like a wedding or a low stakes event, like, you know, maybe there's just like a couple moms in your kids class that you're like, you know what, I spend at least 45 minutes chatting with these women at the pickup. And I always wish it was an hour and a half. I always wish it was longer. How do I want to gather? with people that i desire a connection with i think that it's a really great opportunity that we have post-covid because i think we took our gathering for granted and the priya parker book i think is really interesting because it is published before the pandemic i think yeah and you know this like this like renewed sense even now even even three years later almost four years later i'm like wow look at us getting together look at like look at us doing all of this um are there any broader lessons or takeaways from these big events that we should be considering in our day-to-day gatherings? You know, it's like kids birthday party or I just got together with a girlfriend at a restaurant yesterday. You know, like should we be taking away those big event ideas and and putting them into our moments of of gathering that are way lower stakes? Well, I
1: think the the most important one is like w- with a wedding we tend to see um you know, the trope of the bridezilla. So that's like a someone digging in their heels, like it has to be my way, right? Mm. And I wanna like flip that on its head and say, well, you like, that's not my client. That's somebody, but but I wanna say but you do I kind of see the opposite thing where people have like this imposter syndrome and feel like they don't deserve the the day that they're gonna have and they don't deserve all of this attention. And then even as a host, like you have to see your power as a host. Mm. And know that people are coming because they're excited to see you. Yeah. Like you, you do have to let go a little bit of that imposter syndrome, even with like the group of moms from the daycare so that you can mm-hmm. let go and enjoy yourself and feel free. Like it's one thing to be standing in the daycare Or the the school, right? And then it's another thing to have them in your home where you might feel like they're judging you. You might feel like you're not enough. Your home isn't enough. The activity or the meal that you have planned is, is not good enough. So all of that, that's all, I think that's a really important takeaway is like, Who who am I even to be doing this? Who am I even to be centering myself in this? Yes. Um, Who am I to think that people would want to spend time with me? Like finding your own inherent value and that self-love. It's so much easier to be in community when you feel like you deserve to be there
0: Mm. and when you
1: have that self-love. So that's going to be the the number one, I think, for me is like first me, right? It's like, again, I I don't think I mentioned this early on, but I I was a yoga teacher before I and while I was not becoming a wedding planner, I was also becoming a <laughs> yoga teacher. Just for fun. I actually didn't think that I would ever teach, but I did teach for a couple of years. But I, so I take that that from the, this expression from my yoga training and teaching days, which is we put on our own oxygen mask first. We take care of ourselves first. And that enables us to take care of other people, to be in community, to be the best versions of ourselves uh, and to really enjoy life. Mm. So that would be the first one, right? And I think anyone who's listening to this podcast is really definitely on some kind of self-love or self-care journey because that's so much of what you talk about is like how can we accept our life as it is yeah, and like enjoy our life as, as it is and find gratitude and find humor and find connection without thinking that it has to be something else that we saw somewhere else, you know, like, I think medium ladies are probably the opposite of like, influencers.
0: <laughs> Ooh, People have these grand I ideas about themselves that. and those big goals. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to take that away for sure. So that first me approach, what an amazing gift you can give to yourself is to say, I'm going to gather with these moms in my home, after daycare or whatever, for, you know, wine and the bachelor or whatever it is, because I deserve to be in community. Yeah. That's pretty radical. Yeah. You know, especially when I think about my position as a mom and the roles that I have orchestrating community for my kids. Your daughter's too young, but eventually it's the organizing the play date. It's the making sure you're getting to the baseball team on time. It's the asking and connecting with other parents so you have good relationships for things like rides. It's the birthday parties that come secondary to other relationships. And we spend a lot of time cultivating community for our kids. And our community, sometimes sometimes it's a benefit that our community as moms, espe- especially, comes as a secondary community to the community that we cultivate for our kids. But we think our kids deserve friends. Our kids deserve joy and connection with others. Our kids deserve socialization. We don't necessarily reflect those things or the investment of time back on that. You know, the time it takes for me to text back and forth with a mom to pick a date for mm-hmm. a play date, I I rarely invest the same amount of time in my my own play date or, you know, being like, hey, do you want to go to a yoga class with me. And what time are we going to do that? And how, who's going to, where are my kids going to be at when I do, the, you know, like all of that back and forth, I, I would rarely invest that same amount of time in my own community.
1: Yeah. And then the other thing that kind of follows though, from, from that self or from that first me approach Yeah, is that for you to be able to be present and enjoy the event, what needs to happen? Mm. So that's like, that would be another wedding from lessons. So something that I talk about a great deal is the need for month of event management and somebody to run the day other than yourself. If it's, if you're getting married, you can't be also queuing speeches and telling the kitchen when to serve which course, like that doesn't make any sense. Okay. So now you're having a smaller gathering, like how are you going to be able to be present? What are you going to do and prepare? It's like that kind of detail, like I said earlier, like choosing the meal that you're going to share or um, having a little bit of planning can go a long way Mm -hmm. towards freeing you up to be really present at the event. Even if if it's something like wine and the bachelor, Mm -hmm. well, then once everybody's arrived, just you yourself, put your phone away. Yeah. Like, that's it's it's so automatic to us to like pick up and scroll or to Mm -hmm. or to feel the buzz or the beep or see the flash even if our phone's on silent I keep my phone on do not disturb all the time yeah but if it's near me (laughs) and I see any kind of notification on my screen which is like how I've silenced everything but any kind of (laughs) notification I too will pick it up it's like such a dopamine hit so what I do is Even for family dinner, I leave my phone in another room. The moment I hear my daughter coming up the stairs from daycare, Mm. I plug my phone in in another room Mm -hmm. and I just Mm -hmm. put it down until after bedtime. That's just, and because it's out of sight, it's out of mind, right? So these like boundaries that we can set for ourselves or these decisions that we can make to free ourselves up to be present, I think that's, there's no point in having a gathering if you can't be present for it. Yeah. You know, unless it's a gathering you really don't want to be at and you want to check out. And then I have a whole other set of tips for that because I've (laughs) definitely gone through that because I not only do I have anxiety, I also have seasonal depression. Mm. And so there are times where I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't be around all these people. What am I going to do? Right, right, right. right. Where am I going to sneak off to, to go do like some legs up the wall or like a little gentle meditation Mm. to get myself regulated so I can go back and be with these people. So like, Also, also that.
0: Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean don't have the gathering. Or maybe it does. No, I mean, it's,
1: I think it's up to you. Like, especially with the holidays approaching. I, like, I know already it's, we're in Canada, so we already had Thanksgiving. But, like, the holidays are approaching and Hanukkah is early this year, which means for the entire month of December, I will have events. Mm. And, and so it's now on me to think, okay, so how much work do I want to take on in December? How much shopping do I have to do? How much am I going to host? How much am I going to budget for the month of December? You know, like just what all of the kind of planning and orchestrating. And from right now, from this vantage point of, you know, looking at future Carrie Ann and how I can set her up for success and how she's going to feel, what can I say no to? Yeah. What don't I have to do? What events do I not have to attend? What can I get out of? Because I don't want to go to every single one. And I need to think of my excuses way in advance so they sound sound good and real, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because I'm a terrible liar. So, like, it really is about, like, making a decision. Like, I'm already thinking about this Christmas Eve party that we always do. Yeah. But I have to figure out how I'm going to stay till the very end, but also drive myself home because there's no other way. So, okay. So you know what I mean? So right. I won't be able to drink or, or get stoned and, but I still want to be able to be there at 1am, but am I like, going to want to be there if I'm not drinking? And like, but I have to, st- I know I have to stay. And so what am I going to do with my daughter? Do- like I'm planning out every little thing. How can I make this a success for me? How can I make sure that I'm going to enjoy myself? I'm not even worried about everybody else. How can I make sure that I'm going to have the most fun? And still have a good Christmas day with my family. Mm -hmm. Like what are the the puzzle pieces that need to be put in place? And so with wedding planning, you're always looking at every single little detail. Like you want it all fleshed out because you want the least amount of friction on the day. So now from this vantage point of pre-American Thanksgiving, what... Can you put in place to protect future you and to give yourself some sanity? Like, could you, are you not busy this week? And could you start like making and freezing your Christmas cookies so that you don't have to
0: do it fresh? What can you do? Decrease friction. Decrease friction. Like, what are the friction points and what would decrease them? And believe that you can. Like, I think one of the things that gets in our way is we give up too soon in the problem solving. We believe that these obstacles are insurmountable. Well, I always do a Christmas cookie exchange and that means that like the night before I'm crying in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and my husband's going to the 24 hour grocery store because Mm -hmm. I've run out of chocolate chips and I'm not going to have enough dozens to do in the exchange. And it's so miserable, but I love the idea of this Christmas cookie exchange. And we think like, You know, the idea of making your cookies in advance and freezing them now so that you're not crying the night of, we say, but then the cookies will be frozen and that won't be as good. So I'm just going to do what I know because I've decided that the solutions are not within reach. And I would just encourage people, try to see if that's you getting in your own way and believing Mm -hmm. that you deserve a better experience than crying the night before the cookie exchange and what are the things that you can do to your point to remove friction so that that's not your experience because you deserve that you know it's it's a yeah. it's a me first approach it does go back to that like putting on your oxygen mask so that you can have a good time like believe you deserve to have a good time believe you and deserve to enjoy the time leading up to the event the event itself and the event afterwards the the event fallout <laughs>
1: And just to just in case people are swinging to the other, in case the pendulum swings too far the other way, Mm -hmm. also don't make grandiose statements and go tell everybody, by the way, I'm not doing X, Y, Z this year, or this Uh, is how it's going to go. Before you start shouting from the rooftops about your newfound holiday boundaries, again, make that plan. So the advice is the same, but it's just wherever, whichever way you're going with this, whether it's small steps or big steps really think about how you're going to incorporate them and whether you're going to follow through because if you say, oh, I'm not – I won't be doing X this year, but then you don't follow through, then you lose a little bit of your authority for next time you say, I'm going to do X. So you do want to like set little, little boundaries that you can maintain and that's why setting the ones for yourself are the easiest and that's why deciding – by the way, when I say – first of all, a lot of cookies are still good frozen. Like <laughs> – I keep Christmas cookies until like July. I don't know what you guys are talking about if you're saying that because I don't make a lot of Christmas cookies. I collect them and I keep them in my freezer and I eat them when I want to and a lot of them stay really good. If you don't have good Christmas cookie recipes that could keep in the freezer, I know some. And then there's also like a lot of cookies that you can make and then slice and bake like World Peace cookies, which are the greatest cookie, I think, inarguably, uh, if you don't know. I
0: don't know that cookie.
1: world If you don't know World Peace Cookies, look them up. They're very easy to make and you freeze them and then you defrost them overnight and you slice and bake and they're delicious and they're delicious for days. Like they don't lose anything. In fact, I would argue that they're better on the second day. So
0: I got off track because I really do
1: love to to bake. I started to, now I need to go bake some cookies. Well, the other thing I was going
0: to say, although I don't know if I'm allowed and I'll edit it out, is I have Carrie Ann's um, chocolate chip cookie recipe. And it is so far the best that I have found.
1: You can share it. You just can't say where you got it from. Okay. I mean, you can say that it's from me. We just can't say what local Montreal business uses this cookie recipe to, uh, to make their ice cream sandwiches. Actually, I think I did. I did ask uh, my best friend about it and she said it was okay. So I'm going to go ahead and say that if you're in Montreal and you know Dalla Rose ice cream is that what it's called? Yeah, Dalla Rose. It's an ice cream shop in St. Henry in Montreal. And when they started out, they were all about the ice cream sandwich. That was like their thing. So my best friend is the cookie queen. She's the head cookie creator there. She comes up with all the recipes. And so she made this recipe for a chocolate chip cookie that freezes really well. So that when you bite into your ice cream sandwich, the cookie still has Super soft. that like, yeah. So it's not just a great co- chocolate chip cookie. It's like the best chocolate chip cookie for ice cream sandwiches, and there you go. We've now we've now made it public. Um, sorry, Candice, or congratulations, you're the cookie queen, and these are the best. Get your recipe from Erin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that will not be in the show notes. I do not want to be involved in any litigious trade secrets, exposure, <laughs> exposing trade secrets. Carrie-Anne, this has been an amazing conversation. I think you and I could continue to talk and encourage the audience to really go deep on this. And I think the timing for this episode will really be perfect. It will release slightly after American Thanksgiving, but uh, I think it will be very much spot on time for the holiday season. What are a few key takeaways that you would really want the medium lady community to keep in mind before we say goodbye? I think it's it's a me first approach.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Checking in with your partner about setting boundaries. I didn't I didn't bring this up, but I think it's so big and it's so huge for your marriage and helping people figure out how to work together with their partner is a, is a key part of what I do. Mm-hmm. I absolutely encourage people to work with their partner in planning the wedding and to try to use this as an opportunity to get better as a couple. And throughout the holidays there's so many opportunities to check in with your partner. And one of the best ones uh, is something my older sister, the the queen of boundaries, always does. And I saw her do this and I've started doing it too. So in the family group chat, when someone asks if she's available, she Either doesn't answer or she's like, I'll let you know, I have to check with my partner. Like she never says, and when she comes back and says yes or no, she never says, oh, he has to work or I didn't want, never. You never know what goes on in their conversation behind closed doors. They always only give one answer as a united front. Nobody ever responds on behalf of the pair without like usually about 24 hours wait. And everyone's just gotten so used to this. Like, we don't don't mind. We're used to it. That's who they are. Your family will get used to it. If you could check in with your partner this holiday season, I think that would be the biggest takeaway is, like, it will mean so much to them if before saying yes to a dinner, you go, is that cool with you? And let them say, like, I've had enough. Like, maybe they don't
0: need to attend every single family event with you. I think that could have been a whole other episode. <laughs> well, food for thought. <laughs> yeah, it is good food for thought. I think it, I think it's something we'll have to tuck away. Maybe we'll have you come back next year and we'll talk about planning the holiday season with your spouse. You can come back and coach us all through that. Um, any other final um, takeaways? I mean, I just, I love chatting with you. I could sit here all
1: day. <laughs> Likewise. I hope if anyone out there is like really resonated with anything you heard today and you want to reach out to me, I answer all of my DMS on Instagram, obviously not between the hours of like five and eight when I'm doing bedtime and dinner and, and daughter things, but I answer all of my DMS and, uh, and I love to chat. I love to like have my mind opened up. I'm not, uh, I'm not afraid of getting into an argument. So if you disagree with me, I would still want you to reach out and tell me why. I'd love to talk about it. I just, uh, I love chatting with people and hearing about your unique, viewpoints because that's how we get better right and grow there's like as a as a philosophy student of life I think the truth is a moving target mm. and the more that we accept that and the more conversation we have the wiser we get and the closer we get to something great
0: so carrie Ann, where can people find you if they want to learn more and we'll put all of this in the show notes but just give us give us an overview of your Instagram your website your offers
1: so on Instagram I'm ca.theweddingcoach Uh, On my website is CarrieAnnCloda.ca. My podcast is the Feminist Wedding Podcast, which you can find wherever you like to listen. And to work with me, I have three main ways that people work with me. Um, The first one, which I mentioned, is the journey. So that's where a full touch offer where clients work with me from engagement all the way through to on-site event management. Um, I have like a sort of mid-tier offer that is a VIP day. And then I kind of let you plan yourself. but like, like I give you a master plan, you plan your wedding, and then I come back in for on-site coordination and month of event management. And then the third way, the the intro way to work with me is the jumpstart. This is the first Call I do with all of my clients. So if you are engaged, I encourage you to check out the jumpstart. You can go to uh, carrieancloda.ca slash jumpstart or go to my Instagram. The link is in my bio. And this is really where I sit down with my couple and I figure out what matters most to each of you and how we're going to make that work on the budget you actually have Mm -hmm. and give you a, a kind of broad overview and help you figure out how you're going to have an event that's really reflective of you and your vision and your values and your boundaries on the budget that you have and and still make it something that feels like your dream day. So, that's my favorite thing that I do. It's my first call with everybody. And this episode is I think is coming out right after I've run a promotion on it. So, it's usually 350, but it's down to 275. But I tell you what, if you DM me and tell me you're a medium lady listener, and you really want the jumpstart, I'm going to honor that for you. So you have, to, you have to DM me and let me know. But I'll, I'll uh, honor the, the 275 for whoever, whenever comes to me from, from Medium Lady. I think I'll, I'll say I'll honor it all the way up till, uh, till February.
0: Oh, my gosh. February 24. Okay. That's fantastic. What a generous offer. And I hope that our engaged medium ladies out there are um, going to reach out and connect with Carrie and you've heard it. DM her that you're a medium lady listener and you will be able to connect with her with her signature program, the jumpstart for a special medium lady rate. That's amazing. Thank you, carrie Ann. That's so generous. It's been incredible talking to you today. Thanks so much for making the time and for connecting. Thank you so much for listening. carrie Ann and I know that your time is precious to you. It's your most valuable resource and it always, it's never lost on me that you're choosing to spend some of that valuable resource with the Medium Lady podcast. So thank you to all of you. Please don't forget you're doing such a good job. carrie Ann, you're doing such a good job, like an amazing job.
1: Thank you, Erin.
0: I love you all very much, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Medium Lady Talks, created and produced by me, Erin Vandevin. If you want more of the general vibe, gratitude, and encouragement from this episode, please come and find me on Instagram at medium.lady. And since you've made it to the end, I'd love to get to know you even better. Screenshot this episode so you can share it on Instagram and be sure to tag me so that we can chat. Thanks for listening. Remember, you're doing such a good job. Your place in this world can only be filled by you. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.